You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Uh, pretty simple concepts. I, for as, um, as long as I can remember, certainly as long as I can remember in my marriage, I have given myself the crucial, important, critical job, because nobody else in the house does it, of um, turning off the lights when nobody's in a room. Who applauded? <laughs> yeah, you know, why leave the lights on if you're, if you're not even on the same floor, if it's empty? Turn off the lights. I mean, lights are turned on for a purpose. If there's nothing to illuminate, nobody in the room, turn them off. You know, you get it? Okay. We'll see if she gets it. Okay. <laughs> that said, that said, Usually on Sunday morning, I, I come to the church, you know, I just walk up King Avenue, and I come to the church a little before 7, you know, and it's dark outside, and every light in the building is on, because Marlene gets here at 6.30 to turn on every light, so that when people come, they're welcome. It's hospitality. We want you here. And I think how neat it is to walk up in the dark to King Avenue Church and it's just this bright spot that you want to enter. Now that light is on for a purpose. It's hospitality. So when we talk about salt and light, it's hard to talk about them without talking about their purpose. You know, salt has the purpose of melting ice. It has the purpose of uh, being an antiseptic. You know, gargle with warm salt water for your sore throat. It has the purpose of preserving things. It has the purpose of bringing out the flavor in something. And we have idioms for salt, like um, they're the salt of the earth, which means, you know, that person is useful. They have a purpose. They're up for some good. On the contrary, we have another phrase that says, he's not worth his salt, which means he's useless, he's pointless. With light, you know, light illuminates, it shows us the way, it brings out the color in things, it warms us, it brings us joy. I mean, you know, the sunny days that we had Friday and Saturday, just the light, just the light, lifted our spirits. You know, show me the way, illuminate me. It's a bright idea. When Jesus talks about um, salt that has lost its flavor and not, having, not being any good, some translations say um, when salt becomes insipid. What Jesus actually says is when salt becomes moronic. You know, salt that doesn't have a purpose is moronic. You know, and he says, who would light a candle and put a bushel basket over it? You know, that's moronic. It's insipid. You know what you call light that you put a bushel over? Darkness. You know, 
Light is to illuminate in the darkness. The Latins had a saying, nothing is more useful than salt and light. So when Jesus says to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, he's saying, you are useful. You have a purpose. Fulfill your purpose. One of the um, uses of salt in the ancient world was salt was used to ratify a covenant. If you use salt in a covenant, it meant you were going to keep your promise. So when Jesus calls the disciples salt, he's saying, you're going to keep your promises. You're going to keep God's promises to the people. When we talk about, you know, being useful, it's, it's also difficult to talk about salt and light without talking about relationships. John Wesley said, Christianity is essentially a social religion. It is social, he says, in that it cannot subsist without living and conversing with others. To make Christianity a solitary religion, he goes on, is to destroy it. Christianity is personal, but it's not private. It's social. You know, for salt to season, it has to mix it up with the vegetables and the meat and the pasta. For salt to season a soup, it's got to get in the soup. It's got to be social. It's got to live and converse with others. One translation says that what, what salt does is bring out the God flavors in people and the world. And Jesus spends the rest of chapter 5 talking about how the disciples are to be social in living and conversing with others. Now, you can read chapter 5 when you get home, or I'm going to preach on it next week. Um, you know, he talks about be salt, bring out the God flavors in your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Bring out the salt flavors in your conversation and in your interactions. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't spin things. Let people know what you mean. He says, don't, don't call your neighbor a fool, but flavor them. Make your peace with your neighbor before you go to the altar to give your gift. Be salt. With those you don't like, be salt. Go the second mile. Turn the other cheek. 
he just gives a lesson in the Sermon on the Mount of how to be salt for people. Now, to be salt can be very quiet and somewhat private. To be light is a different story. To be light is a public affair. If you turn on a light, everybody sees it. Say you're sharing a room when you're in Mexico with John Holmes and Rick Gilson. And the center light is on. Now, we could all sleep with salt in our bed and nobody would know the difference. But that light is a public affair. And we all know that light's on. Would somebody turn off the light so we can sleep? It's too public. It's too bright. I had great roommates in Mexico. But light is public. Can't keep it secret. The whole hill sees it when it's on the hill. Martin Luther King said, There is no such thing as private discipleship. For either the discipleship will destroy the secrecy, or the secrecy will destroy the discipleship. Now he was talking in the context of the civil rights movement. That one could not be a disciple for civil rights and keep it secret. One had to talk about it. One had to act, one had to march, one had to write, one had to do something as a disciple. If one kept it quiet and kept it secret, the secrecy would destroy the discipleship. But if one talked about it and acted, the discipleship would destroy the secrecy. I in college was a member of a secret society and um, I have my secret tie on today but you didn't know it was secret did you Susan likes to tell me that it's really dumb to be in a secret society because she says who knows you're in it Who knows what your secret name is? Who knows where your house is? Who knows where the secret room is? She says, it's stupid. She doesn't say moronic yet, but she says stupid. Wesley says it. King says it. Christianity is not a secret society because it's moronic to be that. And some churches are secret societies. People just don't know the secret names and the secret rooms and the secret procedures of the church. They don't feel like they belong. And Jesus says, you're light. You're not secret. We approved our new vision statement last year. If you know it, speak along with me. We are a community of servants called by God's reconciling grace to open doors of sanctuary, to create new avenues of ministry, 
to equip Christians for discipleship and to lead in reconciling ministries much better than the 9 o'clock service. Thank you. You can't keep that secret. If you keep it secret, we're not disciples. And if we're disciples, it's not secret anymore. We have lots of opportunities in our life to open doors of sanctuary, to create new avenues of ministry. And until we do it, it doesn't mean anything that we have a new vision statement. We've got to act on it. The possible relationship with St. Luke's Church is an opportunity to act as disciples and to be salt and light. We have other opportunities, but this is one. King Avenue, it's been said, and I know this is true, has an excellent brand. We have good name recognition. It's not hard to find people who know about King Avenue Church. Several years ago, somebody visited here and I said, how did you find us? Why did you come here? And he said, well, I'm new to town and I was having a drink at a bar on High Street and I mentioned to the bartender I was new in town and looking for a church. And the bartender said to me, go to King Avenue. <laughs> we have a reputation. <laughs> for salt and light, you people. <laughs> we have a brand. And we are, have the opportunity to share that salt and light west of here, on West 5th. And those new avenues of ministry and those open doors of sanctuary can take numerous shapes and forms. A Christian counseling center, a youth center, a children's center, a place where people can come and converse civilly. A place for persons with handicapped, handicapping conditions and disabilities. It can be a great site for salt and light. And we have those discussions and decisions to reach this spring. When Jesus talks about being light, he says, let your light so shine that people may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That isn't quite what he says. He doesn't say good works. He says beautiful works. Good works are, are good, but beautiful works, you know, lift our spirits. Beautiful works are joyful and something to celebrate. 
Let your beautiful works be seen, not for our glory, but for God's. You know, and how did Jesus say this? You're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Oh, Lord, I hope I find somebody else. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're going to be useful. You are useful. You're going to illuminate. You're important. You're useful. You know, salt and light seem so common. But aren't they rare when you think about it? How much seasoning and bringing out the God flavors of people's lives happen? How much illumination goes on and bringing out the God colors of the world goes on? It's important. It's critical work that Jesus says his disciples are about. So, be salty. Be salty. May it be so.